you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi and hello football fans, your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. Uh, Bucky, man, I'm... I say this every week. We got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know that we have a ton of stuff to get to today. No, couple we got topics, one main topic. A couple topics I want to hit on. We'll we'll talk a little bit about Tom Savage taking over the uh, the quarterback position over Brock Osweiler, which is a pretty big news story there for the Houston Texans. We'll touch on a couple of these other NFL games in a little bit, but I wanted to lead off because we're you know we're scouts and that's what we that's made what our we career do. doing. That's what we do now. So. This has been just a huge story. With We knew about Leonard Fournette, who is not going to be playing in, in the bowl game, so he's going to sit it out. Mm-hmm. Now Christian McCaffrey has said the same thing, and people literally losing their minds. No, it's, it's funny to see the reaction, particularly when you're dealing on Twitter, how um, I guess some people take an ideal view of college sports and an ideal view of college football as guys are getting ready to go to the pros. But I'll say this, and I tweeted this. Football at the lower levels, youth in high school, all about the love. It's all about Friday nights. It's all about giving it up for your teammates. It's all about those things. When you move on to college, and then particularly when you go to the pros, it's a business. And everybody on the team is their own CEO of their own company. And you have to make decisions that are smart business decisions for the short-term and long-term interests of your company. And as I look at Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, Two guys that we conservatively will say first round picks. Yeah. You know, we feel pretty I think we good say about. for sure with Fournette, and I, I do believe Leonard, that, that McCaffrey will end up going up. There. Well, we do know McCaffrey's a top 40 pick, so he's, yeah. in a, he's in a high cotton when it comes to what the money will be. And so, as you look at both of these guys for their teams, played a lot. They were the feature backs for their teams that are old school, hammerhead, smash mouth football teams that believe in giving the ball to the dot back. Uh, we talked about. McCaffrey having over 600-plus carries and touches during his career. Fournette has had something comparable to that. They're at a point 
of their careers where the resume is done. We've seen it. You and I can scout them. We know exactly what they are. We've seen enough film on them for three years to know exactly what they are. Playing in a bowl game that doesn't have national title implications, to me, doesn't matter. I think it's a done deal, and they want to get ready for training. I am all about them getting ready because my job is done in terms of looking at them as college players. All right, let me, I want to, there's a bunch of different angles to this, so I'm, this is going to be a little bit kind of a rambling rant here, but this I want to make sure that I get through a couple different points here. Number one, I tweeted this out the other day. There's just There's been so much uproar on, on Twitter and then people going on TV and radio alike that you can't quit on your teammates, right? That's the thing. You're a bad teammate. You're quitting on your teammates. It's all about you. It's a selfish act. I've heard none of these people say anything about the coaches that have left before bowl games. Right. Tom Herman's a great example. I, if, and I tweeted out, I said, look, if you, were, if you railed on Tom Herman for abandoning ship before they went to the Las Vegas Bowl, which, by the way, I have no problem with, but if you're one of the ones that banged on Tom Herman, then you have the freedom to bang on Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. If you had nothing to say on the coaches, I don't care what you have to say about the players. Can't hold them to it. Why are we holding different the kids standards to a higher standard? It, it makes no coaches. sense to me. It doesn't it, make so that, that's the first thing that I wanted to get to get to there. Second thing you touched on, all these guys have already done for their for their university. These two players in, in particular have made their university so much money. I know they have a valuable education. That, that, that's a yep. value. They, they've, they've more than served their purpose for those athletic Absolutely. departments, all the money that they've brought into those programs. I'm not advocating that guys in the third, fourth, fifth round skip on bowl games because there is an opportunity for those guys to up their stock. We're talking about guys who are entrenched. We've seen so much tape where they've played at a very high level for an extended period of time, and they're playing in a meaningless bowl game. I understand it. If they don't want to do it, I don't have a problem with it. And I think all the people I talk to, I know there's some maybe some older personnel guys that you know maybe are sticklers on that, and they're going to have a problem with their competitiveness. The guys I talk to around the league are a bunch, and you talk to them as yep. well. Do not care that these guys are missing these second-tier bowl games. They flat out don't care. It's not going to have any effect. In fact, I was talking to one of them, and he said, "If I, this is a great, this is a great way of looking at it." He said, "I'm sure because we know them." There'll be some, there'll be not a lot, I would say three or four teams in the combine. You're going to have somebody in the room. It's going to be Tommy Tough Guy. And yeah. he's going to say, he's going to make, a, make, gonna make a big point of it. Uh, so you're just, you're just not competitive. You don't, you don't want to compete. You just, you don't care about your teammates, blah, 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 blah. And what I would advise Leonard Fournette to do is to lean forward in your chair at the combine, look the guy <laughs> in the eye and say, don't pick me. Yep. Don't pick me. But get down on those knees right there. You get down on those knees every night and pray to the Lord I don't go in your division. <laughs> because if I do land in your division, you will find out very, very quickly how competitive I am. Yeah, I think I think that's the the big thing. The funny thing is um, the response that I got when I talked to guys as probably as recently as a month ago about potentially doing this because I, I threw it out there like, hey, man, what do you think about guys? Oh, man, I don't know. I think they'll get killed. But then as you start to see the reaction – internally in the league is not what I thought. Mm, I mean, I can see it. What, what else? They don't care. Because at the end of the day, they really don't care. And actually, we talk about, and some people have pointed out running backs or whatever in particular, you always are worried about the tread on the tire. It's not necessarily about that. But for some guys, and it's not for everybody, and that's why you can't make these hard line assertions. No, it's not across the board. What no. people can do. It's not but a playoff game. And we're not saying if these guys are in a playoff game, I get that's a different story. It's, You're it's playing different, for a championship. But see, that's and then, different. And then the thing that I've heard from other people is like, well, why is it any different if it's a playoff game versus a, another bowl game? The difference is, to me, those are legacy games. Yeah. Those are legacy games where you have an opportunity to make a le- a le- kind of leave a legacy for yourself as a player, as a team, to be part of something great that is long-lasting. 
people always celebrate those teams. I don't think that they have celebrations for maybe the Sun Bowl team or some of the, the Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't want to. I don't want to act like I'm I mean, taking shots at these lower level bowls. I mean, I get it. If it's, certain it's programs different. and certain players, that's a big deal. But I'm just guessing that when when the star players at some of these places are in a room and they find out they're going to go play for the Pizza Bowl or they're going to go play in the Sun Bowl, they're not all that pumped up about it. Not all that fired up about it, particularly when you know what is going on. And I know a lot of people have said, like, oh, with Jalen Smith, I mean, you have insurance and all those things, but we know. No, not going to even come close to touching the amount of money he lost. Won't not come, even close. Won't come close to filling the amount of money that he's lost. And also, those policies are not as easy to cash in on as people think. The main thing with Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, and I – I used this and I tweeted this. The the classic case about we live in a hot take era where yeah. everyone has a hot take, everyone goes real hard real soon, everyone has a loud opinion. But we've both seen plenty of cases where all these guys need to do and what I would tell them, just go kill it at the combine. Yeah. You kill it at the combine. All go away. All that stuff will go away. Because we saw this same stuff similar about Jadavian Clowney. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's not playing, he gave up on his team, he's not this. First pick in the draft. Goes and blows up the combine. I'm telling you, the NFL the people don't even really care no, no, no. about that. We, we, they don't. we understand. We understand what they are, and those guys have seen enough tape to know exactly what these players are. They'll look at the combine, see how athletic they are, and that's the thing. The other thing I'll say, this it pretty much takes six to eight weeks in training to really make a difference in your body in terms of training, speed development, the agility, and these things. These guys now get a jump because we talk about January 1st. The combine is starting February 28th. So that's eight weeks in particular. They'll have a jump start on some of their counterparts because they now can go and really master the Olympics part of the evaluation. And if this is a job interview, and we talk about this process being a longest in the job interview, they've done the tape work. Now they got to do the Olympics. Pass the, check the next box. Ta- check the, the boxes box. with the combine. you got eight weeks to do it to focus in and to go into your training free from – kind of like the nagging injuries that may happen in a bowl. And here's here's a couple of aspects of this thing. Again, there's a lot of different tentacles here, but if I'm a coach, if I'm David Shaw, I talked to you about this a little bit earlier, if I'm, if I'm Ed Orgeron, yep. when I get ready after the dead period of recruiting and I can get back out on the road and I go into these home visits, I'm going to use this to my advantage. I'm going to sit down with a parent of one of the top running backs or linebackers, whoever in the country, and I'm going to say, look, I, I want LSU football to be successful. That's my job as a head coach, and we're going to win a lot of football games. But I'll tell you what's more important to me than winning football games is your son's future. And let me give you an example of that. We had Leonard Fournette. We could have used him in a bowl game. Probably would help us uh, give us a better chance of winning that game. We sat down, and Leonard and I together came to the decision it was best for his future that he didn't play. Now, does that benefit LSU right now, today, or in the next week? No. But it's the best thing for the young man, and I want what's best for him, and I'm going to want what's best for your son when he comes and plays for me as well. You can absolutely 100% use this to your advantage. In you can use it to your advantage in recruiting, but you also can use it to your advantage in the development of your team. A lot of times, let's not talk about the top 10 teams. We'll talk about those teams that are in the top 25, top 40. You'll hear their coaches always talk about, man, we want to get to a bowl game because it then affords us 15, develop these guys, young guys. 15 extra practices. So if you think about the 15 extra practices that you get in December, most teams now have moved up their calendar to start spring ball in February. So you get 15 there. I think you get another 15 15 practices for the spring. So those are 30 practices. If you do what you're suggesting, take the young guys, let the young guys get ready for the bowl game, give them a taste of major college game football action. during the bowl game, come back to the spring, Use the spring ball to kind of jump jump off right where you left off in the bowl season. 
going into next fall, your guys have 30 extra practices. They have a real game and a spring game to be ready for the next season. Absolutely. I think it's the way – a forward-thinking coach can be like, you know what, the bowl game. I'm going to use it. Really yeah. I'm going to use it to my advantage to build my team for next year. That's the that's I even tweeted. I said the worst case scenario. Everybody's paranoid. This is the tip of the iceberg, and more of these guys. Okay, the worst case scenario. Those lower tier bowls. Look, I get the the playoffs are. All, I think they're always going to be fine. I don't think guys yep. going to be skipping out on the playoffs. And I think even you know the, the the rose could could be fine. Maybe the orange, whatever. I know Jalen Jalen got hurt last right. year in the Fiesta Bowl, but I think most of those major bowls, kids will want to play in those, they and they still them. will. But in these lower mid-tier bowls, if those turned into glorified spring games, don't forget, we put spring games on TV. National TV. National TV. And I see stadiums with 50,000, 60,000 people in there watching their spring game. And these these fans follow recruiting now. You know who your backups are. I mean, if you're if you're an LSU fan, you're going, man, I'll tell you what, Geis has looked pretty – I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of Geis. How about let's get – who's his backup? Let's get him a little bit of work. Get me excited for next year's team because at the end of the day, this game doesn't really mean anything to us. It, it doesn't it's mean what anything. it can do for us in the future. Get those young guys reps and get them ready to go. We always talk about this when it comes to picking. When you're picking the winners of the bowl games – you always pick the team that's more motivated to be in the game. Yeah. And so the way that you can increase the motivation of your team, play those guys who haven't had an opportunity to play much. Oh, yeah. Play those young guys. Yes, you want to have a senior coordination for those guys that have really done and served the program well. But let's get the young guys on the field. Let's see what they got. So let's say we treat the bowl game like you say the exhibition season when it comes to football. Mm-hmm. Okay, seniors, we're going to let y'all start and maybe play a quarter, quarter and a half, but we're going to start sprinkling in some of these young guys. I think that is a way to really make it a developmental deal. I think as scouts, we can understand that. And I think from a team standpoint and fans, you can get excited about what is to come. I just don't think it's that. I mean, look, if I'm if I'm a fan of a team and we're playing in the, uh, uh, what is it, the uh, Buffalo, Wild Wings, Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, and Bowl I got a chance bowl. and I can leave it. So, man, talking to, talking to my other buddies that went to the school, what have you, man, you said, how about that fre- redshirt freshman receiver? Finally, got, man, he's going to be good next year. I'm you excited about him. Got think, him in the mix a little bit. I think you can jumpstart it a little bit. And also, make no mistake, a lot of these teams have lost coaches. So you have teams that are coaching with skeletal Plus they're, staff. They're, they're, they're obsessed with they're recruiting. Trying, they're trying, they're trying, trying to get sure they're, they're trying to get on the road. They're trying to bring these guys in. And so – I, I think it only makes sense. I think we need to make sure we keep it in the proper perspective. I understand people kind of take umbrage with us talking about the quote-unquote meaningless games. We say meaningless in terms of the big scale. They don't necessarily change the plight or perception of a team because they're not a Final Four game and it's not a championship game. And I know people hate to think about this, but we created this when we talk about more March Madness because even when we think about college basketball, what do we care about? We care about the tournament. Yeah. That's the only thing we care about. There's a national champion, and everyone else is like, huh, whatever. Yeah. Same thing in football. Yeah, anyways, I, I think we uh, we got some stuff off of our chest there, Buck. A couple of uh, – one other thing I want to hit on before we get to Tom Savage taking over here for Houston. One other college thing. I'm sure you've been asked a bunch about this, but the, the Joe Mixon video was released. Yeah. Of him uh, striking a female in a, their little restaurant or a little strip mall or wherever they were. I saw I, the video is, is grotesque. I mean, it's yeah, it's, awful. it's heinous. I mean, I mean, it's he, atrocious. He, he yes. It breaks several bones in her face. It's awful. So the question is if he comes out, is he draftable and how does that work? And we've been in that room, Buck. And to me, we've talked about it before. When you are an area scout, you're kind of, you, you own your area. And you're responsible for uh, for the background on these guys. Everybody's going to have their say in terms of yeah. him as a football player. Going to watch the tape, weigh in, stack them up on your board, and get them right. But I've been one of the organizations. I won't say who, but one of the organizations I've been in. I've they've been on the clock, 
And I was not in the draft room. The scouts were not in the draft room with this team. I got pulled in there by the owner. The owner of the team said, you put your name on this guy? This guy's had a couple instances. I know you documented him in your report. Is he a good kid? I mean, should we? you want to bring him in the building? Now, you sitting there as a scout, and the owner is asking you if you're going to put your name on a guy. You, you better be fully believing that this guy is on the straight and narrow because you're going to be tied to it. And if it doesn't go well, you're going to be out of a job. And so as a scout, I don't – in that situation, Bucky, with what we've seen in that video, I know – and people have pointed out the fact that the report existed for a long time and it, we should have been more outraged right when the report was – as all this huge outrage has taken place since the video was released. I get that. But I'm just saying in a situation as a scout in a room, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't I couldn't say, okay, we got a list of these other fifteen running backs, some good players up there. He's phenomenal. I'm not gonna am I gonna risk my job? No, I'm not doing that. You know, it, 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 it it's a tough situation because the, there are a couple of different things that are at play. Like from the job standpoint, as a scout, like what you're trying to balance and you're trying to mitigate the risk versus reward. The reward could be this is a very talented player. I think without any character flaws, first I think round pick. we could safely say that he's a first-round talent, a guy that can do anything because he's rare in terms of his ability to run, catch, block, do some special things out of the backfield. Explosive player, brings a lot to the table in that regard. However, when we start digging into the character, you have that incident, which is – 2014, And just so we can kind of tell the, the listeners, when you're building a, a bio or a file on a player, you go all the way back. You not only go back to what they did collegially, you go back and you try and find out anything that you can find. High school, you may talk to the high school coach, high school guidance counselor. As we get down the road, we're really trying to figure out you're a private investigator. Guy, who this guy is. And so with Joe Mixon, you have that incident in 2014. Last season, during this season, he was suspended for a game because he had an incident with a parking attendant um, where they say it was kind of like an angry deal, yelling, going back and forth or whatever. So now as the area guy, as you're presenting your case about Joe Mixon and you start to string together and connect the dots that there have been a series of incidents, it makes it harder to sell him sometimes as a top pick. What I will say is things that happen to guys that are 18, 19, 20 years old, in the league, there's a faction of folks that believe that players can be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Guys can be worked with. There are things that you can put in place to help them, depending on your player programs or player development department. You may have someone who can help them kind of become the man and the character and model citizen. But, but there are there are teams and owners specifically that there, not, there are untouchables. There are certain absolutely. things that you do, and there's no discussion End of debate. He's not going to be a member of our team. Absolutely. And I've worked for I've worked for a team like that where we said anything that was a violation of a warrant, be it domestic abuse, be it put your hands on them, be it anything, anything sexual that, assault, that's it. anything of that None. nature. There's no debate. We would throw those guys completely off the board. I've been at other teams where it was a little more forgiving, and it was a case by case basis on how you made those character assessments. With Joe Mixon, the biggest thing for him would be ownership and coach have to be willing to take the heat from a PR standpoint on what the backlash would be if you thought about bringing this guy in. You have to float that test balloon out there and kind of see what the reaction is. Then for him, a lot of it is going to be in that one-on-one in the interviews that we're having at the combine and those other situations where we get him. What does your gut tell you about this guy? Is there someone that you can trust? Can you trust him to be free from incident going forward? Because if he has an incident as a part of your team, all of that other stuff comes back into play. And do you really want to deal with that? And so for Joe Mixon and his team, if he elects to come out, his team of advisors, 
They have to really craft a narrative. They have to really make sure that when he talks to people, that he's upfront, he's contrite, he's compassionate, he's empathetic, he understands exactly what he has done, and he's taking steps to rectify the behavior. That will be the key. Before you can even get to the talent, you have to trust the person yeah. because if you don't trust the person, you can't make the sale for him. Yeah, it's a it's just an awful situation, and you know, look, it, it depends. I mean, you said that the owner and the head coach have to be on board, and I just they have to be in lockstep, and and it's tough because oh, like tough. I don't know. Like I, I, I look at I look at it a, a couple of different ways um, when you do it because this was 2014. This case has already been adjudicated. It's already been. Whatever, and I know people have said, like, yeah, he redshirted, but that redshirt, in essence, was a suspension for him being on the field. So what you have to do, and I know we're at a time where, like, we kind of crush kids for their missteps or whatever, is you really have to figure out who Joe Mixon is and can you buy the kid. Because if you can buy the kid, then you may be more willing to take on the backlash. But if you don't buy the kid, if you think there's something odd about his character that he's probably prone to do this again, I think you have to bypass it because there are other guys on the board that are as talented and can do the same things without the baggage that comes. But no, make no mistake about it. If he was a first-round pick in this draft, he's going to drop a number of rounds because this incident is polarizing. It's done. But I will say the thing that potentially could help him has been the performance of Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. And – I won't say that. But again, apples. there's no video. It's no video. It's not apples to oranges. It's not apples to Ray apples. Ray Rice. To Ray Rice, when the report existed versus Ray Rice when the video came out are two different deals. I mean, same thing. Brandon Marshall. There, there, there are other cases of, of, of guys. This will be a tricky evaluation if he jumps into the 2017 class. One thing that we've talked about is say Joe Mixon doesn't come out this year. Yeah. Say he putting more distance, I think, is a smart move. Not a, more, I don't know if yeah. Oklahoma's gonna feel about that, but I, I I mean they've already taken the heat, like I don't know how much more heat they can take from from it. But like let's let's just say like if you're Oklahoma, if you're Joe Mixon, say he has a team of advisors that are um unofficial advisors. If Joe Mixon elects to go back to Oklahoma, what Joe Mixon could do is put a plan in place to not only separate himself from that incident, but show that he's stuff. changed, yeah. that he's done some things, that he's doing all the steps to kind of rehabilitate himself, much like a Ray Rice has been able to do. It hasn't landed and resulted in a job for Ray Rice in terms of as a player, but I think we always say, like, man, he has really taken some steps to kind of change the perception and change who he is. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on here to, to the NFL and what's going on here. Tom Savage taking over. Brock Osweiler, pretty gutsy move. I think the owner even came out and said that. Gutsy move by your head coach there in Bill O'Brien. Gussie move, but I think it was time. Uh, Brock Osweiler was struggling, 59% completion rate, 14 to 16 touchdown to interception ratio. He wasn't playing or performing like a franchise quarterback. And you're a team that's in the thick of the race. You have an opportunity to still win a division despite the up-and-down play of your offense. As a head coach, you have to be able to separate the personnel decisions that were made in the spring from what is transpiring between the lines. He had to pull the plug. And in Tom Savage, you have someone who – has three years of experience within that system. He's been two training camps, three training camps. He understands all the ins and outs of the system. He hasn't played much, but you certainly know that he understands where the ball should go. Um, Looking at him coming out of school, there are five points that I wrote about him. I thought he was a classic drawback pass. I thought he had a huge arm, terrific zip and velocity. I questioned the accuracy, short and intermediate. I worried about the poise and awareness because I felt like he held onto the ball too long. He had a lot of sacks. And then the thing that was positive, 
I thought he was fairly clutch for what he did at Pittsburgh. Seven games, his last seven games of his senior year, uh, completed over 64% of his passes, 10-3 to touchdown-interception ratio. And what was impressive about that stretch, all of those games were against bowl-eligible teams, so I thought he could step his game up. I only worried about his character because he was a transfer. Rutgers left, didn't like the situation, went somewhere else, transferred again. What I round What wanted, round did you give him? I gave him a developmental grade, which yep. was a fourth-round fourth grade. I said he was a day-three pick. I thought he'd be a developmental prospect that would take a couple years to be ready. I didn't think he could start right away, but I thought he had some potential that you would kick the tires on him. So I gave him a, a 61 on my skill that I use, uh, which is a potential starter. So you're not saying – you're not guaranteeing he's going to start, but you're saying he's a potential starter needs some time to develop. Now, to their credit – this has been a perfect path for him. Go in there, sit. He needed to sit and learn and continue to develop. He has a lot of physical tools, needed time to potentially be a starter. So he ended up going, what, in the fourth round, and fourth now round. he's got his shot. So I, I think, you know, if it's going to happen for him, this is the perfect opportunity for him for it to happen. The timing worked out well for him. Timing worked out well for him. He doesn't have the, the same pressure that Brock Osweiler had coming in as a marquee free agent. They expected him to be a franchise quarterback that could do it all. And I think whenever you commit that kind of money to a quarterback, sometimes you feel the need, subconsciously or not, to show it off and to have him prove that you guys were right by writing a big check. With Tom Savage, he doesn't have that pressure. Like, they weren't expecting him to be the guy. Much like Dak came into the Dallas situation and kind of outplayed expectations, Tom Savage will have an opportunity to do that. The thing that we have to watch, and it's, you talk about it being the perfect thing, he played a couple quarters against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He now will play his first game. There's some tape on him a little bit. How he performs this week, next week will be the game where they have enough tape to begin the game plan against what he does really well. And then we won't really be able to know how good of a quarterback he is until in the postseason and then beginning of the next season if he's still the starter because quarterbacks have to continue to adapt and adjust and evolve. Does he have the ability to adapt and adjust when defenses catch up to what he likes to do? I need to update my quarterback master sheet here too because when you take Osweiler out, right, put in – uh, uh, Savage, now you have, of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, now only 12 came out as underclassmen. 12 came out as underclassmen. 10 of those 12 were picked in the top three, either the first, second, or third pick. Not rounds, the f top three picks in the draft. The only two quarterbacks that are underclassmen that came out in the draft that weren't picked in the top three that are currently starting, Ben Roethlisberger, who was picked 11th overall, still a first-rounder, Aaron Rodgers, who was picked 24th overall, still a first-rounder. So these uh, this this long list of quarterbacks that are talking about coming out this year because it's not a great quarterback draft, history shows us right now as we look at it, if you're not going to be a top pick, a high first-round pick, or at, at minimum first-round pick, you're not starting in the league right now. Not only that, you're not starting in the league. And I think the big thing for the evaluators, you talk about those guys that were underclassmen that came out, they were top three picks. Yeah. That means your talent merits that you're one of the best players in the draft and you have to avoid the trap of pushing people up based on I need a quarterback yeah. versus they're good enough to be a top three pick. In any draft, in any draft class, we could pluck those guys in and say that. And so – it's a tricky evaluation. It's one of those things where you have to really dig in and buy into it. And these guys that potentially could come into the league as quarterbacks in this class, we just have a lot of digging. I know we talked at nauseum last year about Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz and which one was most ready to play. This year would be even a broader conversation because I think on the surface, I don't know if any of these guys are ready to be starters from day one, but which one offers more potential to be an NFL starter 
in more systems, that's what we have to determine. So how about this, Buck? We've got now Tom Savage will become the fourth fourth round pick to be starting this year now. So you have on this list, you've got Kirk Cousins was a fourth-round pick, Dak Prescott notoriously a fourth-round pick, and Bryce Petty, who's taken over the job there, is a fourth-round pick. So it's the fourth guy, which to me, when you look at where you're picking, there's something to be said. I've always I've always loved the philosophy that that, uh, that Ron Wolf used to do in Green Bay, always stash a quarterback, draft one every year. Draft one every year. He would, he would do it like more in the 6-7 range. But I'm almost like, man, every year if as a personnel executive, you're running the draft. Every year you take your third-round pick. Trade back. Trade back. Get an extra four. Yep. So if you trade Use your three extra back, four. get an extra four. It's a bonus pick. Use a four. Take a quarterback every year in the fourth round. Take a dart. Throw a dart. Let's see. Um, you know, hey, you may get one. With Ron, I think they would go every other year. They would try and get a quarterback in those late stages. They would try and develop them and pawn them off. Either they could become a really nice backup or they would pawn them off for picks. And we saw them have a successful run. Uh, Mark Brunel was a guy that was like that. Aaron Brooks. A lot of people forget Aaron Brooks would end up being a Pro Bowl quarterback down in New Orleans. Yeah. He was a pick like that. Matthew Hasselbeck was a six-round pick that they were able to kind of parlay into some other things. They've successfully done that year after year after year. If I'm thinking about the draft from a strategic standpoint, we talk about the fourth round. We all know how it resets, and we'll kind of tell the listeners what happens in the draft. At the end of the first day and the second day, you'll look at the board and you'll see who are the prominent names that are up on the board beginning day three, which yep. is the fourth round. Where do we get picked clean? What positions have we been wiped out on? Yeah. And what players that we had graded higher than the fourth round are there? If there's a quarterback that is sitting up there above the cut line, those are the guys that you would like to target in the fourth round because that means that you thought enough of them that they could be starters in the league at some point. You want to take one of those guys, and hopefully you have a nice teacher in the quarterback room that can teach and develop those guys, and maybe you get something special. We've seen these young guys perform better than anticipated. Dak Prescott, uh, Kirk Cousins was a guy that performed very well as a fourth-round pick as a rookie. Uh, Bryce Petty has shown some flashes, not necessarily as a rookie, but this year he's shown some flashes. So – the fourth-round pick is a little different. We like to think that quarterbacks can come in the first round, but we're now beginning to see kind of like the tide shift a little bit. Yeah, you can see it shift. By the way, Leonard Fournette on Instagram just sent out a picture with him and his daughter, and he wrote underneath there, only person I owe something to. <laughs> so there you go, Leonard Fournette weighing in on that one. All right, Buck, the uh, I think that's going to do it for us here. I mean, we've got a, a fun slate of games here. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. If I to you. don't say it before yep. then, and then I'm off on a on a bowl swing, so I'm gonna hit a bunch of games. Look yeah, you're hitting a bunch. Of, you're hitting a bunch of bowl games. I'm going to a handful. Of, you know, like maybe the plans change a little bit. I'm going to the Sun Bowl. I'm gonna go see North Carolina. I was going to see North Carolina play Stanford to see Christian McCaffrey. Check out the quarterback yeah. from North Carolina, Mitch Trubisky, to see if he's the real deal. Uh, see Solomon Thomas. That that'd be a good one. Um, going to the Fiesta Bowl to see Clemson take on Ohio State. That should be one That's a great prospect. One. But, you know, our gig, we're chasing quarterbacks, trying to see if we can oh, find a quarterback. Find I know you're going to see Miami versus West yeah, Virginia. Yeah, I'm going to see Brad Kaya in Miami, and then uh, I'm going to go from there. I'm going to go to one of the best bowl games, Michigan against Florida State. There are a lot of players in that one. Then I'll zip down and see Alabama-Washington, then come back out here for the Rose Bowl with uh, oh. USC and Penn State, which would be a goodie. Busy, and then, busy. And then out to the uh, national championship game. Yeah, but it all starts tomorrow night. Poinsettia Bowl, baby. <laughs> BYU, Wyoming. Looking forward to that. A couple good backs in that game. Uh, looking forward to that game. All right, Bucky, I will, uh, we'll be back with the audio podcast on Monday. So you want to check back in for that on Monday. Tuesday, I will be out. Matt Money Smith back in the studio Money. here to join Bucky Brooks to keep this train rolling. Appreciate everybody uh, checking us out, downloading, 
subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. We have a bunch of videos popping up, uh, preview videos for the coming week here. You can find those on the NFL YouTube channel. Uh, just pump and move the sticks there. Wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.